0: Welcome to Sentcast, the official podcast of the United States Central Command, America's premier warfighting headquarters. Coming to you from Tampa Bay, Florida, with your host, Joe Puccino. Welcome back to
1: Sentcast. I am Joe Puccino, as always.
0: And I am Joe Crespo.
1: And Crespo, we have a very special guest here today.
0: We for sure do have our Kuwait senior national representative is here with us today. How are you? I'm doing well, sir. How are you? Would you tell us your name? Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Khaled Rabian, Kuwait National Representative
2: to U.S. Central Command. Awesome. And,
1: Khaled, you know, we are—we normally release this episode on Tuesdays. We are releasing this on Saturday, Saturday, February 25th, because that is Kuwait's National Day. And so we thank you for joining us on Kuwait National Day, Khaled.
2: Uh, sir, first, uh, I would like to thank you personally, uh, sir Joe, uh, Colonel Joe Pacino, and uh, Colonel, Lieutenant Colonel Crispo for uh, extending me this invitation today.
1: No, We're, we're honored that you're here. You know, we, we, you know, Crispo, we here in CENTCOM, we talk all the time, we've talked about it on this show, about our strategic approach, people, partners, innovation. And, you know, we have the greatest people in this great history and this lineage, but, you know, the partners, the partners, we've got to focus on the partners, and, and kind of this is kind of the start of that.
0: Absolutely, it, it, and having you here could potentially start a new line mm-hmm. of Sandcast episodes where we talk to the different SNRs and, and the impact that they have as our partners in the region. Mm-hmm.
2: Sure, um, let me let me just go deep into what uh, I've been seeing in the last uh, couple of months. Please, the Sandcast, which is our official podcast, that was up and running in 17th of. January 2023 mm-hmm. has been something that we look at as an innovation program we are witnessing in the AOR. Like any innovation programs, as you said, people, partners, and innovation, mm-hmm. which is part of uh, General Carolla's um, the three uh, the PPI. We're mm-hmm. proud of seeing the triple CI, especially looking at many areas of the AOR, which is the area of responsibility, mm-hmm. and focusing on these areas in depth. I was in um, I was in Kuwait a while ago back, and I was, I was checking on the social media accounts of the CCCI. Yeah. They were sending the messages on the timings of the AOR itself, oh, it's which great. is different than what we have today wow. uh, because it's an eight hours difference, mm-hmm. at least to my country, Kuwait. This was an exceptional uh, part that we looked at, and it meant that you are sending the messages on the right time on the right, uh, to the right people.
1: Yeah. Well, I, we should, uh, and, and thank you so much for that, uh, Khaled. You know, we should mention, you mentioned CI. that is CCCI, that is the CENTCOM Communication and Information, which does, you know, kind of this podcast and the social media. And it's interesting that you are the senior national representative from the country of Kuwait. And Crespo, that's an important program. What is the SNR program?
0: Well, the SNRs are, are the rank linkages between the CENTCOM family
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then the partner nations in the AOR.
1: Mm-hmm. And there's one for every partner nation in the CENTCOM
0: region? Just about.
1: Okay. Yeah. And and I think, you know, well, a- every region that we partner with, every country right. we partner with. And it, what's interesting about you is that, you know, you are kind of the embodiment of this in that when, when a country in the region sends somebody to CENTCOM, to represent Kuwait, to represent their country. You know, they're sending their best, and they're sending officers that have a lot of growth, and they're sending, frankly, people that are going places. Right. You know, you're here, you're making connections, and you're representing your country, and you have a really interesting uh, background. And, you know, you're obviously a thoughtful guy with a, a great, accomplished career and an interesting background, and maybe we can talk a little bit about that.
2: Uh, sure. Uh, first thing, I'd like to thank you for this um a very important uh, topic that you raised, uh, which is the senior national representative. Mm-hmm. Um, Kuwait's uh, senior national representative serves as a liaison officer today. between liaison
1: Ku- between Kuwait, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Between
2: Kuwait military and the defense, Kuwait military and uh, the Ministry of Defense and the U.S. CENTCOM. Mm-hmm. Uh, the role that we do is to coordinate and to focus on areas of activities required as exercises and meetings uh, and working groups. So we connect the bridges. Yeah, uh, The bridges are already set by our leadership, military leadership, but we, our role is to strengthen them. L- regarding my background, every Kuwaiti officer has um, exa- exactly the sample of the background that I have. Uh, okay. We are, we are um, I would say, uh, thank you for the very um, precious uh, comments, uh, but we are humble enough because this is what we do. We look at partnership today and we try to strengthen the partnership and uh, this is why every Kuwaiti officer that will come here before and after has been on the
0: same quality and has been on the same uh, level. of. And I learned that are you the first SNR from Kuwait in the last 16 years is that true Uh, to my understanding
2: yes Uh, since 2007 um, that we had the last
0: and i imagine then you were
1: hand selected by the ministry of defense you were hand selected by the chief of defense to represent Kuwait.
2: as i mentioned joe it's a long selection process let me touch on it real quick the centcom sends the criteria for all countries that are invited to send snr's this gets to our leadership whom in this case select whom fits the criteria. Then this, then His Excellency, the Chief of General Staff approves the selected officer whom will fulfill the position and raises it to His Excellency, the Minister of Defense, for the final approval. I think this is a case that happens for most of the SNRs, but I'm just orienting, orienting it It's to a Kuwait. long process. So oh, I don't doubt it. Yeah. It's a long process of selection, and uh, I, am, I have the honor to be the Senior National Representative of Kuwait today, and I thank uh, everybody that supported me to do that.
0: And, and you, you mentioned humility, which I can see uh, here just talking to you and I can, and I can sense it. I'm sure you uh, listening can as well. But you've had an interesting and, and remarkable career. I mean, you were second in your class on your Joint Staff College uh, to beat and, and now that you are the senior representative here. So, so I applaud your humility, uh, but I know that we're standing among a, a Kuwaiti legend in the military. Uh,
2: legend is too much. Thank you, Chris, for your compliments. And I really thank you to spot the light uh, on the world legend. Uh, Whom in this case are the officers and NCOs back home in Kuwait? And let me tell you, Chris, they are professional, hardworking, committed, and enthusiastic in their job. And of course, patriotic to the spine to protect their country. This concluded with being led by wise intellectual and intelligent leadership. that that has set the conditions for the Kuwaiti officer and NCO to become what they are today, career-wise. Who you have in front of you today, uh, Chris is a normal officer that worked on his career like any other. In fact, I consider myself a drop in the ocean of their accomplishments. They are whom need to be portrayed as legends, not the person that is sitting in front of you, of course. I'm proud and honored to be representing them in the U.S. CENTCOM and for earning my leadership trust in this perspective.
1: I know that you take a lot of pride in that uniform you're wearing for the Kuwait Army, and we're here in our CENTCAST studio in Tampa, and you brought out, you put in front of you, the Kuwait flag, the green, white, and red stripes, and the black off on the left. Describe the meaning behind that flag for us. So,
2: so um, the flag of Kuwait. Uh, it came in an Emiri decree, which is uh, the Emir of Kuwait, uh, His Highness God uh, have peace upon him, Sheikh Abdullah Salam al sawah At that time, in the seventh of the September, 1961, mm-hmm. the flag was changed uh, from the red flag uh, that had the name of Kuwait to the flag that we have here today in front of us with four colors. So, uh, four colors. Uh, the as four colors with the green, yeah. the white, red, and the black. Okay. Uh, this this change um, was meant to be because uh, of the different age that we're living in. Mm-hmm. So what does that define for us? I'll say it in Arabic, then I'll translate it in English. Uh, which means black are our battles, green are our lands, white are our deeds, and red are our swords. Yeah. So um, these kind of um, colors relate directly to many areas that uh, we look at and back in our history and resembles our history.
1: It's uh, fantastic. Thanks so much for, you know, explaining that and, and introducing that. And, uh, you know, I think uh, from there, you know, maybe we can get into Kuwait's National Day. What does it mean, um, how did it start, and, and how do you celebrate it?
2: So, uh, sir, Kuwait's National Day is a, is a huge topic. Uh, it's one of these topics that we look at in, in, in depth. Uh, before I go into that, if, uh, yeah. if I'm allowed, uh, I would n- want to speak about Kuwait history. So what led to the National Day? Please, it's yeah. a long process. Uh, the state of Kuwait is located strategically uh, in the top tip of the Arabian Gulf, mm-hmm. uh, bordering its neighbors, Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, the Republic of Iraq, and from the east. The country is 17,880 kilometers. Its size, uh, with its geography, mainly desert and a shoreline. So, the shoreline. Shore uh, Kuwait is an Arab country with a religion of Islam. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kuwait is a heredity emirate uh, held by the succession of um, the descendants of Sheikh Barak al-Sabah, which is Barak the Great, the ruler of Kuwait since 1896. Uh, and according to the Article of the Constitution, the Fourth Article of the Constitution that was ratified in 1962 on the 11th of November, uh, the, the peace seeker state that you see today in the world of humanitarian assistance globally mm. uh, was founded in 1613 and was a settling land for th- several tribes that moved from drought in Arabia. So they went to the area of uh, the area that was today Kuwait, mm-hmm. and they built a fortress, which is a Kut. I got it. Yeah.
1: Okay. So they built a fortress, which is a Kut. Yeah, the
2: Kut, which which, which which closes on the closes on the sea, yeah. so they could protect themselves from uh, any. Foreign invasions. Wow. Um, Al Sabah, the ruling family of Kuwait, ruled since 1756. Uh, Sabah bin Jaber Al Sabah, which was the first ruler of Kuwait. The rulers focused on protecting the country, so they built three different fortresses. Uh, the first one was uh, set in 1860, and then 18, 18, 1814, then 1920, which is that was the last fortress before it was demolished. Why Kuwait? Why Kuwait? That's that's the question maybe that we should ask. Why mm-hmm. Kuwait is, a, is this country that coordinates or lo, is located in a very premier position? It didn't have oil and gas at that time, so it didn't have any natural resources. Mm. But what it had was a strategic position. It was an area between uh, Conflict area between the Ottomans and the British, which was competing for power at that time. Mm-hmm. This is before oil of course. was even uh, yeah. discovered as a, of a major Yeah, uh, export. We're, we're talking now about the 1800s. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's the strategic location again. There is no natural resources and it's a geographical location while made a target for the German Baghdad Railway pla- Plan construct in 1899 that wanted Kuwait as a turning point for this railway mm-hmm. from Berlin, to uh, from Germany to uh, Iraq, to Kuwait, then going back. So this project is huge. If I want to fast forward to what we are today, 1896, the Sheikh mubarak the Great, the ruler of Kuwait, the seventh ruler of Kuwait, well-known to be the modern founder of the country itself, opted to shift from the Ottoman administrative rule to becoming a British protectorate. Mm. Being a British protectorate, um, uh, Joe, at that time, uh, while Kuwait has mutual interest with the British to protect itself, came into a secret uh, agreement, mm-hmm. which was the Anglo-Kuwait Agreement in 1899.
1: The Anglo-Kuwait Agreement? Yes. Uh, 1899.
2: 1899. came on the 23rd of January, uh, that provides Kuwait with a British protection from foreign invasion, while Sheikh Mbarek has an independent rule over Kuwait itself. The secret agreement went public in 19, uh, 1913, uh because of uh, while the signing of the Anglo Ottoman mm-hmm. Convention. The main income of Kuwait depended on the merchants and ent- uh entry of the diving season.
1: Dependent on on, on merchants coming in. No, no
2: our merchants okay. went on the diving season. Got it. Okay. Yeah and the diving season meant that uh Kuwait are seeking for um looking for the pearls in the sea. Mm. And uh, those pearls in the sea uh, meant that there is a season that takes place uh since May the 22nd of September, Mm -hmm. mainly related to the weather. So, after September, the water is cool. You cannot go into the diving season. This diving season uh, gets all the Kuwaitis into, especially the youth, in 1913, according to sources that I've been reading. And uh, that's, again, a very important point, the sources. uh, Because of this interview, I went back and uh, refreshed my memory into, into many areas that uh, focuses on the detail of Kuwait's history. For that, it showed ships were involved in the pearl diving. Wow. And at that time, that was so much for Kuwait. And uh, 30,000 youth of Kuwait were involved in the CFCs. This is So this is like free diving? This is uh, no equipment? This is just no equipment. No equipment. Just your lungs
0: and yes. off the boat you go. You're off
2: the boat and uh, you have uh, a white glass that you look into it so you mm-hmm. could Look into the water and you have somebody that helps you up wow. yeah so uh, they call it the race and the save the, the person who would once you pull the water once you pull the rope he pulls you out okay and these are in these kind of ships
1: okay so you're showing us a photo of this yes. yep. yep. wooden boats wow okay
0: is this still practiced today
2: uh, at uh, a lower
1: scale i guess um to be
2: honest yes uh it is in one of uh it was it's one of the sector and this uh, historical thing that mm-hmm. they practice but it's up to 10 days at the maximum. At that time, we're speaking about four months.
0: Okay, so they, they go out, out for four months. they regulated
1: it now. Yeah. They dive off one of these boats.
2: Yeah, now they do it for the youth to understand how the history of Kuwait is. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So basically now it's a kind of a throwback to the to the formation, the history of Kuwait. Yeah. That's great.
2: So that uh, people know how their ancestors felt when they were um, protecting a country at yeah. that way. So uh, the maritime space were focused more on trade, pearl diving, uh, fishing. It itself was focusing more on pearl diving and protecting.
0: Let me, so bringing it a little bit forward to the 80s, where I have here my notes, the, between 1946 and 1982 was the golden era of Kuwait, right? When Kuwait experiences a, a period of prosperity driven by oil now and its liberal atmosphere. What can you share about that? So uh when we move in uh, fast track into the
2: uh, the 1940s uh, I would say uh, along with the, what we have today we discovered oil. The discovery of oil came in in uh, 1938 in Borgan oil field oil field. Borgan oil field which is still on running today. Where, where is that in Kuwait? It's in the south of Kuwait. Okay. Uh it's Borgan oil field while was the first shipment that came out was in 1946, mm-hmm. after, after the World, Second World War. At that time the ruler of Kuwait, God uh, mm-hmm. be, 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 be have peace upon him, Sheikh Ahmed Jabir At that time um, they focused on prospering the country itself. Mm-hmm. So where did they look at the many areas that were important at that time was electricity electricity power stations, distillation uh, water plants in addition to infrastructure, health and education. Uh, This uh, set a base till 1950 when Sheikh Abdullah Salam salem came came into the Mm rule that the bases were set, the foundation was set. Uh, Today these discoveries come up to, uh, takes us to 1.7 million barrels a day that we produce. Barrels? Barrels a day that we produce. 1.7 million a day. A day and that was based on latest uh, OPEC reports. Wow. I'll move on to Kuwait National Day, well, yeah. as you mentioned, yeah, Kuwait National Day, or what we used to call the Independence Day was, uh, the real date was the 19th of June, 1961, and mm-hmm. isn't the 25th of uh, February,
0: which we have to today. And, and I, I read that they moved it back for weather reasons, right? Since 1961, um, that resembled uh, the end
2: of uh, the British protectorate in Kuwait. I see. So, uh, eighteen ninety nine, it was signed by Sheikh Mubarak Then, in, in eighteen uh, in nineteen sixty one, it was um, uh, it turned turned into something else, which is the British Agreement uh, of Mutual Cooperation.
1: So, from from eighteen ninety nine up until June nineteenth, nineteen sixty one, Kuwait was underneath British rule. On June nineteenth, nineteen sixty one, what happens? In
2: 1961, uh, Kuwait calls for independence. Um, the British uh, government, uh, s- s- they, so they moved from uh, a protectorate treaty mm-hmm. to a mutual uh, a treaty of mutual friendship and,
0: uh, and mutual friendship mm-hmm. treaty. So a treaty good. of mutual friendship, right? Yeah. So it was, it was a diplomatic agreement, very yes. friendly, yes. no, not conflictive at all. Okay, wow. So, yeah. so 1962 so yeah so that was in 1961
2: chris since 1962 till 1964 kuwait continued to celebrate the national day on the 19th of june the national day after then came in an Emiri decree uh, by his highness uh, the emir of kuwait sheikh abdullah salam at that time uh, that moved the celebration days because of the hot weather that we had Mm -hmm. and the climate Uh, so we moved it till 19 in 1965, it was 25th of February. February. Why is it the 25th of February? That's, that's a question to ask. It's because it is the day uh, that Sheikh Abdullah Salim ruled Kuwait in 1950. So it was connected to the day
0: that he was the ruler of Kuwait at that time. Yeah, so is it? Yeah, February 25th marks the date that the Sheikh Abdullah Salim al Saba came to power in 1950. So it's a celebration of that, of that day. Ruled Kuwait, yeah.
1: Well, you know, I, I uh, Crespo here, he does not do well in hot weather, so he would appreciate. I, I
0: don't. I sweat so much. I don't have any hair, so if you're listening, that's you just imagine. You don't do
1: well in cold, I, cold weather
0: either. Either, right? Actually, yeah. Springtime is my time. Okay.
1: So, all right. Well, that's an interesting uh, story there about uh, Kuwait National Day. How do you? How is this observed? How is it celebrated inside Kuwait?
2: So, I think, uh, what does that mean to for Kuwaiti people?
1: Yep, that's exactly right. The yeah. The National
2: Day. The main element of being a sovereign state is mm-hmm. to be recognized internationally uh, in the international community. For its sovereignty, this, this comes into a full independence by where you could be recognized by international organizations. Mm-hmm. In 1963, Kuwait was part of the UN, United Nations. Wow. In, in 1961, the Arab League, an organization of Islamic cooperation in 1969, and it was one of the founders of the GCC, which is so the Gulf uh, cooperation.
1: Gulf Corporation Council, and what yes. year was that?
2: Uh, Joe, uh, the JCC, uh, that was in 1981. Uh, to be more precise, it was during a meeting in the capital of the United Arab Emirates, Abu Dhabi, where the leaders of the six member states agreed on a joint framework concluded in the initiation of the Council. And Joe, uh, to be more informative to the U.S. Uh, Sentcast audience, those states were the United Arab Emirates, Kingdom of Bahrain, Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, Sultanate of Oman, the state of Qatar, and the st- of course the state of Kuwait.
0: But how is it like celebrated? Do you do you get together? F- do you do family gatherings? You do feasts? You do parades? Uh,
2: usually, uh, the country does parades. At some years, you would have military parades. At some years, you would have people celebrating in the streets, happy because of this Independence Day. And uh, as you would know well, uh, the Independence Day is connected to the Liberation Day, which is the day after that, the twenty-sixth of
0: uh, February. He that, said parades. that's not a, that's not a topic for discussion today, <laughs> no, no. but it's uh, something <laughs> to. put in on my, the podcast. yeah, na- next yeah. time. But something curious that I that I read about is that in twenty nineteen, they have they Kuwait still holds the record for the longest flag assembled. It was about two thousand nineteen meters. For quick math, that's over 6,600 feet long, wow. equivalent to 1.25 miles long. <laughs> and it was a long flag held by over 4,000 students. Wow. And it still holds to, now, uh, to date the World Guinness Book of Records for the longest flag.
1: If we were, what, what would we see today, the day this is coming out, February 25th, Saturday, February 25th, 2023, what would we see today in Kuwait? Parades, you said parades. Yeah,
2: parades. Um, it really depends on, uh, two, yeah, two days ago we had the, the start, of the, the lifting of the flag.
1: Okay, what do you mean?
0: They raised the flag? Yeah, they, they, they raised the flag in... Uh, so like a ceremony. A ceremony. The Olympics, yeah. like opening ceremonies of the day.
2: Well, Chris, it's not like the Olympics. Um, there's a huge difference in um, the celebrations. For the National Liberation Day, and that is uh, Kuwait-oriented, as we would say, let me set an example of the celebrations that happened this year in 2023. It officially took place in Bayam Palace in a military parade under the patronage of His Highness the Emir of Kuwait, Sheikh al Ahmed Al Jabr al Subah, Hafadah Allah, attended on his behalf His Highness the Crown Prince, Sheikh Mish'al Ahmed Al Jabr al Subah, by which the flag was raised in the palace announcing the start of the month of celebrations in
0: Kuwait. Yeah. I meant to compare it to a, a big yeah. celebration, a formal ceremony. Yes. A formal ceremony. Day, Roger. To start the month of um, celebrations. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything to say? I have, I have a couple more questions. Of course cause I love I love Kuwait. I, yeah. this is my fir- I told you earlier, this is my first deployment and I haven't been since. So what is a traditional meal that you would cele- celebrate with during uh, National Day? To be honest, uh, there is no specific meal no. to
2: celebrate. It's not like um, um, there is a Specific uh, food that we eat okay. nationally, but it's uh, we have our national food, which is uh, food, rice and chicken and these. Things. Mm-hmm.
0: But it's not something that's specific for the. National right. There's nothing like a staple of the day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I see. He loves food. So uh, I do. What can I say?
1: And he loves parades. So Yeah.
0: Next time. Next time. We'll next go time. Time. in yeah, February. Year, yeah. Yeah. We'll do it.
1: All right, well sir, this was a great uh, insightful discussion for us. What, what else do we need to cover here in terms of what what do you what do our listeners, the people listening to CentCash right now need to know? What should they know about Kuwait?
2: First, so uh, with Kuwait's discovery of oil in 1938, Kuwait prospered as an independent state uh, by which it was invested in the infrastructure and before that, historically it was a strategic location for all the powers that uh, where in the region a very important state that takes place in the history and building a modern state today was capable of competing with cosmopolitan cities around the world and its humanitarian projects touching every part of the globe uh, kuwait in its geographical location at the top of the arabian gulf has always uh, has been a vital port and before uh, kuwait earned its independence uh, um, and um, kuwait today is ruled by the emir of kuwait Sheikh Nawaf Al Ahmed Al Jabar al-Sabah, the ruler of Kuwait, and uh, his Grand Prince Sheikh uh, Mishal Al Ahmed Al Jabar al-Sabah, who are the uh, rulers and the protectors uh, of the country, and uh, they provide us with uh, the leadership that we need to uh, stay bonded and so on. I would like to thank you for extending me this invitation, and uh, for your staff for this uh, important, uh, I would think, um, important discussion about Kuwait's National Day. While I I hope I fulfilled all the relative uh, topics that you needed, Uh, in this perspective, I would like to thank CENTCOM Commander General Corolla, Vice Admiral Malloy, who was a Deputy CENTCOM Commander, uh, the current uh, Deputy CENTCOM Commander General Gullet, uh, Chief of Staff General Doyle, uh, the J5, General Saleen, and the J3, Admiral Rinshaw for the great hospitality. They have been great hosts since day one, and I would like to thank them for that. And in and these prosperous and important days in Kuwait's history, uh, the, uh, the National Day and the Liberation Day, we wish safety and health for His Highness the Emir of Kuwait, Sheikh Nawaf Al Ahmed, and the Crown Prince of Kuwait, His Highness Sheikh Mishal. Ahmed al-Jabr al-Sabah, and for all whom live in our country safety and for our country, Kuwait, prosperity. Thank you so much.
1: Well, you know, we really thank you for coming in here and uh, preparing and doing this uh, interview and representing Kuwait so well, you know, and uh, it was a great uh, discussion, and actually, Crespo, great job with the research you did.
0: Well, yeah, I appreciate it, because it, it's, like, like I said before, People build the partners, right? Mm-hmm. The partnerships. So as we learn and we share, we strengthen our partnerships and we build on newer things and, and, and a newer capability. So, so yeah. Thank you for for sharing everything that you did, and I, I just can't wait for have some others and learn learn more. other partners on Thanks so much. For